Welcome to episode 11 of season two of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League presented by ChangeUp. I'm Matt Satilli. I am joined as always by my co-host, Owen Shadrick. Owen, it's great to see you. And college baseball is underway. It was an awesome weekend of baseball, and we're so excited to see all of our favorite Futures League stars tearing it up with their schools. How are you today, and how great is it to turn on the TV and see some baseball? Matt, I'm great, and even better because I got to watch some baseball this weekend. Again, as you said, it was great to see some of our former players on the field getting it done and it's baseball's back and major league baseball's coming soon and futures league baseball is coming soon. So it's, it's just great to be back. Absolutely. And shout out to all my BC guys out there, Sal Freilich, Cody Moore, set, et cetera. All the guys who played tore it up this weekend, had a great series to kick things off. Oh, and any players that caught your eye or anything you want to say? Well, on the pitching front, shout out to uh, Ben Kasparius there at UConn for keeping number five slash number 16, Virginia at bay. It's great to see some New England teams giving it to the uh, the baseball powerhouses in the country. Absolutely. And Zach Geloff and Jake Geloff on the other side of things, amongst others. So just Futures League stars all over the place. So always great to see them kick it off. So in terms of where we're at with season two, we wanted to give you guys a little scheduling update. So we're 11 episodes in. And what we want to do is we have one more episode planned for you guys, our season two finale coming out next Monday. And then after that, we're going to reset for a little bit prep for another great summer, provide you with any kind of updates that come along in terms of league news. But for right now, we're super excited about this episode with GM of the Brockton Rocks, Tom Tracy, who was an awesome guest. And then our season finale coming up, great guest to be announced very soon. So Owen, I think we're in store for two great episodes here, and then we'll get primed and ready to get everything set for summer 2021. Yeah, we are. This is a great interview with Tom Tracy. Great guy and excited for you all to hear it. Absolutely. So we have a great episode on hand with Tom Tracy. And once again, one final episode for season two before we take a little pause coming out next Monday. And uh, until then, for right now, here's a great interview with Brockton Rocks GM, Tom Tracy. At this time, we now welcome on a very special guest. He serves as the general manager for the Brockton Rocks after being an assistant coach for four seasons in Brockton. It is Tom Tracy. Tom, welcome to Back to the Futures. And thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I love the show that you guys do. It's been great. You know, everyone you guys get involved for it, it's, it's been wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's always great to hear that and great to welcome a new face onto the pod. So let's start right off in terms of getting a chance to play baseball last summer. We talk about it with a lot of our guests. What was it like to have baseball in Brockton and get a chance to have the team play this summer? <laughs> It was really a, a great season, especially for the circumstances at hand. Um, just got to tip your hat to all the players and the coaches for everything they do to make sure that they were safe throughout the season, um, to be able to play ball, the umpires as well, making sure that, you know, they were doing the right thing. If they didn't feel well, they'd call, they'd ask for somebody else to, to fill in for them. And just going through the protocols, it was great to be able to actually have a season shortened, but um, it was one of the most memorable seasons I, I think the league had. It, it was so talented. Um, the coaches were great. The the GMs, the owners, everyone that took part in it was amazing. And Joe Pellucci, you just got to tip your hat for, to him for everything he did to really make our season happen last year. It was, uh, it was quite something when you see everyone else just 
canceling, canceling, canceling. And uh, Joe just kept pushing along, telling all of us during our meetings, guys, we can do this. We can do this. Be patient. We can do this. And uh, it was great. Um, it was great. Great ball. Great teams. Great kids. It, it was just fun. Yeah, and obviously there were plenty of challenges this summer in trying to get baseball going. So what were discussions like with the town of Brockton about fielding a team? Um, they were always supportive of us being able to as long as it was safe. Um, you know, Brockton from the very beginning was one of the uh, hard-hit COVID cities in Massachusetts, if not all of New England. Um, so the cases in, in Brockton were high all throughout and they still are for, for what we're going through right now, even though we're reaching the vaccine stage, the cases in the city of Brockton are high. So they supported us playing. They, they wanted us to be there, although they were supporting us playing. They really wanted us to take every precaution that we had to, to make sure the safety of everybody. So they, they absolutely gave us the, the move ahead to play and, you know, they would check and they would help us on what we needed in regards to protocol uh, for safety gear, safety face masks, hand sanitizer, social distancing, things of that nature. So they were supporter, supportive, but at the same time, cautious as they should be with what was going on at hand. Yeah, and 2020 wasn't unique in just the way we played baseball, but it was also the first time you were in the front office as the GM. Talk about that experience. Uh, sure. Um, definitely not, uh, what I was looking forward to going into my first season. You know, I was, I was hoping to, uh, you know, have the crowds and have it, um, you know, just be that fun filled atmosphere for everybody. Um, so when, you know, COVID happened, it definitely changed, uh, the way that we had approached the entire season. Um, you know, our roster, you know, right from the beginning of COVID had to change. Um, you know, our housing, we weren't able to have the housing because our, our players usually stay at Stonehill College. And when college shut down, obviously we couldn't have those um, out-of-state residents uh, come to play with us unless they had their own families or, or one or two host families that might be able to take somebody in and willing to go through the circumstances of still you know, having a player stay with them. So we did have a couple of out-of-state players, but we had to revamp the roster right away to make it pretty much all local. Um, and the good thing about it was even those out-of-state players, those kids from California, Florida, out in the Midwest, and having those conversations with them was hard. You know, they were all looking forward to come and play in the league. and But they were also very understanding. And each one of them says, we understand. We hope to have the opportunity next year. And so this year, building the roster, those were the first coaches that we reached out to about having the players come and uh, – enjoy and take part in the futures league. Um, and also just everything from there, from the spectators to your staff, to going through all the precautions for the players, the coaches, um, it, it made it difficult. Um, but again, you have to tip your hat off to everyone that, that made it work. It wasn't the ideal season, but you know, not, not what I expected for my first season in, in the GM position. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely fair to say. And how did the camaraderie with the other owners and the other GMs with everyone being on the same page just to play baseball and make scheduling changes if need be and shift around everyone's roster? How did that help in terms of everyone working together towards a common goal and making sure that baseball was played? It was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I think for myself, when it first happened, I was very skeptical that we were going to be able to have a season. You know, you see the Cape Cod League cancel, the NECBL League cancel. 
minor league baseball get canceled. I'm not sure if you're going to have a major league season. And uh, so I was very skeptical if we would be able to play. And I know a couple of the other GMs and owners that I talked to when it first happened, we, we really weren't sure if we'd have a season. Um, again, I have to tip my hat off to Joe Pellucci. Uh, he kept telling us, just, just stay the course, guys. This is going to work out for us. And as we got closer and we had our meetings and talked about it, the way that everyone worked together, um, it really was amazing. Uh, everyone said, well, I will – help with transportation. I will help with rosters. I will help, you know, whatever we have to do for a schedule change to make this work. And that teamwork is what a league should be. And that's what it was. And I just got to credit everyone in league, all all the front office people, um, Joe, and then all the coaches and players as well, because it wasn't easy for them. You know, every time walking in, you know, if your temperature was 0.1 higher than the limit, it was like, uh, is it just because you ran over here? I saw you running through the parking lot to come get in for BP, or is it you're not feeling well? And, you know, the players were, were really good. So just everyone all around the league made it happen. And uh, now that's it was great for the league because that took that teamwork from everybody. Yeah, 100%. And from those relationships to another relationship, what is your relationship like with owner Chris English? Uh, it, it's great. Uh, we, we communicate a lot all the time. Um, whether it's rocks related or just life in general, um, he always wants to do whatever it can to make things work, uh, for the rocks, for other teams. He's constantly working with the other owners to see where they might need some help with something, or if they might be able to help us with something. I know him and, um, John Creedon Jr. work closely together and, John, for us at Campanelli Stadium last summer, we weren't able to utilize the visitor's clubhouse because we spread the rocks out across the two home and visitor clubhouse. So John Creedon came in and um, built us a makeshift clubhouse, um, you know, through through the Creedon company. And so the the teamwork that he has with the owners and me and Chris relaying that and going back and forth, um, we just work well together. Um, Chris is a baseball guy. Um, his first job is business, but he's a baseball guy and he loves it and he wants to see everyone succeed. And, uh, so when we work together, it, it really turns out to be some good things going in. Yeah. And you guys even had fans for a brief period in the beer garden. So what was it like even for a short period of time to have fans and what were the kind of adaptations and moving around, you know, working with town legislation as you see fit to either have fans in or understand that, okay, maybe, not the best move or maybe we'll wait until 2021 to get fans back in. Sure. Um, being able to open the beer garden was, was great. Um, going into that very first game of the season, we were told that we'd be able to have a hundred spectators in the stadium itself. Uh, literally about five o'clock in the morning of our first home game, we were told uh, you can't do that. Um, hundred people, in the field itself have to include the players, the coaches, the umpires, your staff. And that already put us, I think at 93 people. Um, So to be able to actually have the spectators in the stadium didn't work out, but at Campanelli, it's kind of unique um, where we have that left field area, which is kind of a separate entity for us. And we have a dual license for the stadium and that area, which is like a beer garden slash restaurant. And at the time, um, you could have up to 100 people in a restaurant seating, uh, especially for outdoors. And that's what we essentially had. And 
granted low key, we, we weren't a gourmet food type restaurant. It enabled us to let a hundred people in, um, mostly family, friends, season ticket holders, set up the appropriate social distance of the tables, had the cleaning staff there. Whenever anyone got up, you know, we would clean. Everyone had the mask rule and, and they abide by it really well. And uh, for the people that did attend, they, they said it was just great. You know, it was free of charge. They came in, they got to watch the games, um, have a couple of drinks and, and enjoy some entertainment that everyone just was longing for at that time. So Again, wish it was a little bit different, um, but it was able. We were able to do that for a little while until, again, the numbers in Brockton started really increasing, and, and the city said it was just too much of a risk to keep it going. Um, so they advised us just to turn it down for the season. Yeah, even that little sense of normalcy and that little, like you said, drink some baseball, some entertainment, just so refreshing. And hopefully that that won't be an issue this upcoming summer, but when you guys did have to close the beer garden, there were no fans in the ballpark. What do you think that blue frame, the new broadcast network for the league, what did it add to the production value and delivering rocks baseball for those fans that had to watch from their couch or their living room? It, it was great. Um, blue blue frame was tremendous for the rocks in the league last year. Uh, it, it added that, that viewing um, atmosphere for everyone who couldn't attend. And I would get emails and text messages from the families of the players and, and the coach, uh, coach Tero's dad, and just saying you know, how great it is to see the, the cameras that we had, the commentating. Uh, it was really an upgrade from what we have had in the past for the league and having blue frame be a part of it was, was tremendous. Um, everything from, the lineups on the on the screen to the scores to the announcing it, it was like taking part of a, a broadcast game and the feedback was tremendous so i think the families appreciated that um the players appreciated that because they knew that their families could watch even though they couldn't be in attendance and the local fans i, I have i live fairly locally and i would get text messages and emails from my friends saying oh it was a great game last night i talk about a specific play so it's evident that they were watching through the blue frame so it was great that's great. Yeah. And we're so excited to have them back as a partner this year. And, you know, like you said, it felt like I was watching MLB network or you know, <laughs> TBS sometimes, but no, it was, it was awesome. So we've talked enough about the logistics and stuff behind the scenes. Let's talk about the fun stuff. So your role on the field and the team, what was the transition like being an assistant coach for four seasons and going to the front office? So what was it like being closer to the sidelines and doing that for the past four years prior to 2020? It was different, um, at times relaxing, at times frustrating because I wanted to be out there, uh, especially our first game of the season up in Nashua last season. Um, Coach Gedman hadn't been able to arrive yet. So it was just uh, – I filled in for one game last season uh, and on a winning note. That's I'm ending my coaching career on a winning note. We beat Nashua opening day. Um, but the, the thrill and excitement of being on the field is, is tremendous. And, and I've been coaching for so long and, and with the rocks for the, those four years, um, stepping off, uh, was a little bit hard during the games. I, I was very busy, which, you know, made it a little bit easier But during those downtimes where I was sitting there watching, I just wanted to be in the dugout. So it was, it was a little tough at first, but as the season went and I adapted to, all right, my job now is to more make sure how the operations and everything are running, not worry about stuff on the field because our coaches are, they were great. They had it under control and, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it as the season went, but those first few weeks, it was, a uh, 
it was tough. You know, I, I definitely wanted to be out there, but um, the guys that we had were great. Yeah, don't blame you there. And definitely big shout out to the Brockton coaching staff, of course. And part of your job as GM is roster management. And you got a couple of guys to return the season and Nick Sinicola and Evan Slight, among others. So what was it like to get those guys back for the Rocks this summer? It was um, it was perfect. Uh, having those guys return, just they, you know, understand our league, our team, our our culture with Brockton. And so for the guys that were coming in that hadn't been there before, they instantly turned to that leadership quality and, and having those guys return was just tremendous for our team from the clubhouse to the dugout, to the interaction, the communication. Um, and not to mention just the talent that they had, uh, Nixon, Nicola, what, what he can do on the mound is just, it's um, just a beauty to watch. Uh, the kid just has what it takes to be dominant. Um, there's one player that I would just go pay to see right now um, outside of a major league game. I'd, I'd go pay to see Nick Sinicola pitch. Um, you know, he's just the way he presents himself on the hill in the dugout as a leader is tremendous. And then uh, a guy like Evan um, talk about a kid that just has nothing but a bright future ahead of him. And he has to be the most polite human being you could ever meet in your life. Um, Evan's just such a great young man. And, he started at Virginia the fall. He was hitting over 500. Um, unfortunately, during a play in the outfield, he broke his ankle and ended up being sidelined throughout the fall and into the spring. So uh, he had some time where he couldn't play, couldn't do anything. And he would come down during the winter and hit in the cages at the stadium. And then uh, it just worked out where he was able to rejoin us when, when everything happened and he wasn't able to travel for, for the COVID to the league he was going to play in. And, his leadership in the outfield and, and in the dugout was tremendous. It was, you couldn't ask for anything more from returning players. Yeah, two very talented players in Nick and Evan. And speaking of talent, you brought in a lot of new talent this summer in addition to the returning guys, Jake Geloff and Buddy DeWayne, a former podcast guest among them. What did you feel like those guys and all the new guys brought to the team and how do you feel like the chemistry worked out in the end? The chemistry on our team was just great throughout the summer. Um, so one of the things that we always look at when I'm calling college coaches and the recruiting coordinators or if our coaches contacting somebody or Chris English, um, who will build the roster as well. The first thing we look at um, is character. We, we want somebody who's going to have good character, be that teammate, show desire, show drive, and be able to work with the other players in the, in the clubhouse. And having new guys and Buddy Dwayne, who, you know, has had so much success at Central Connecticut and also success in the Futures League, bringing him into Brockton uh, was great. Um, yeah, again, another kid that had the experience and, and showed the leadership. Uh, and Geloff, um, you know, we had Zach a few years ago. And so having Jake come, you know, having that family trend come to Brockton, I, I love it. And, uh, you know, their work ethic was, was amazing. You know, we would have our pregame BP a few hours before the game, but I would get there in the morning and you'd see guys like, like Jake and buddy and a lot of the guys during the cage on their own already doing their stuff. Um, you know, they had the desire to excel and, and be the best they could be. And that them coming together just brought that camaraderie and, and made it just a fun experience for them. Um, and you couldn't have asked for more than that for the guys. And a great 2020 roster at that. Now let's flash ahead to this upcoming summer. Any preview of what's to come and any returning guys or any new guys that you can talk to us about? 
Um, returning guys, so we have a, a couple of guys coming back from Babson College, Timmy Noon, um, who finished in the, the top five for pitchers in the league. Uh, Tommy Laffham, who joined us late in the season, but was a great addition for us, just a solid uh, defensive player. He swung the bat well for us. And another kid who wasn't with us long, but again, his his character, his personality in that clubhouse, it just gelled so well, even though he joined us late. Um, Jacob Studley is going to be returning to us as well, who's going to be another great addition returning, and he'll have that leadership quality um, coming in from, from Wheaton again. Um, and we have uh, um, you know, guys coming in this year that we're really excited about, a bunch of guys from B.C. and Northeastern, uh, Long Beach State, uh, Florida Atlantic, just guys that we're really excited that are going to be part of that, that culture. Again, good character kids um, that have that desire to make it past the FCBL and hope to get to the MB, uh, MLB one day. And just uh, we're excited about it. It's going to be a fun season. Absolutely. All excitement geared towards the summer. We're now under a hundred days until opening day. I can't wait. I can't wait. Everything goes well up until then. Then it's a quick hundred days. So prior to you becoming GM, you mentioned you're the assistant coach and worked hand in hand with Andy Terrio and also got to see Matt Gedman, who will be returning to Pittsfield for when they return in 2021. So what did those guys mean to the team and what's your relationship like with those two? Um, my relationship with them is great. Um, you know, Andy had been coaching as an assistant coach a few years back and then a head coach for the past couple of years and being in the dugout with him. Um, you know, we got to know each other well and understand how we should approach the, the rosters, the, the day-to-day game adjustments, things, that, things, excuse me, things of that nature. Um, he, he was just, a, he was the right leader for the players on our team. Uh, he communicated well with them. He understand how a pitcher should move, uh, you know, rotations, things of that nature. So working with Andy was great. And having Matt come in with all of his, his experience from Pittsfield to join our roster on the coaching staff last year, you couldn't have asked for a better assistant coach. Uh, and he and Andy really worked well together. Um, you know, I'd be in the coach's room after the games and they'd talk about the game that just happened and the next three games coming up. And Andy would run by ideas by Matt and Matt would be like, well, how about if we do this or that? And they just work so well together. It was just a really good coaching staff. And again, the way that they related to the players, um, understand that they're there to develop the players for their upcoming seasons in college or hopefully get signed or drafted. Also the understanding that it's summer baseball. Um, they just had the longest year of their life uh, coming off the how COVID was hitting everybody and the way that they made the players actually enjoy the summer, even with the circumstances, was, was great. And you couldn't have asked for more from those two for what they did. Before we return to our interview with Tom Tracy, once again, we wanted to give a big shout out and thanks to ChangeUp, one of the FCBL's cornerstone sponsors. ChangeUp is a cutting edge, player centric pitch and performance management application. By comprehensively and accurately tracking pitch activity and capturing critical in-game performance data, ChangeUp helps baseball coaches protect their pitchers from overuse and helps players reach their full potential safely. During the 2020 season, FCBL teams reap the benefits of the ChangeUp application, including the ability to keep college coaches informed on what and how their players are doing here in the FCBL. Coaches and parents at all levels, Little League, AAU, high school, and the collegiate level take notice. Changeup is the clear choice to ensure your pitchers aren't being thrown too much or too often and are getting proper rest. 
In addition, ChangeUp's analytics function helps coaches and players understand each pitcher's current performance thresholds and helps inform training protocols to get your players to the next level. The Futures League is bringing you tomorrow's baseball superstars today. ChangeUp is helping make sure those superstars travel safely and as far as possible on their personal baseball journeys. Are you ready to join the ChangeUp revolution? For more information, visit ChangeUp's website, www.changeup.io. That's www.change-up.io. Change up. Every pitch counts. We now return to our interview with Tom Tracy. Yeah, two fantastic guys and two great baseball minds that have also been on the podcast. So shout out to both of them. And from on the field to off the field, there were plans to renovate Campanelli Stadium, but those fell through due to COVID. So what are those plans looking like? Are there still plans to renovate or are those tabled for uh, for right now? Uh, no, the plans are to renovate, and actually uh, they've been working over at the stadium for the past about month. Uh, they started with the convention center, the Shaw's Convention Center, because that is a, a COVID testing station. They actually turned that into a COVID testing station. So that kind of took the priority, but um, I was actually on the phone this morning with the, the contractors who are going to be doing the work, and they are expecting within the next week or so to start the renovations to the stadium. So um, the timeline of what they're going to prioritize and the direction they're going to go. I'm not quite sure of, I believe they're going to start with certain things that are the electrical needs and things of that nature throughout the stadium, the stadium lighting, things of that nature. And then from there go to the more, the interior structure of the whole stadium, but it is a a go. Um, The city is on board for it and we're really excited when, when it's going to be done, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really nice. Will that be ready for the 2021 season or is that still up in the air? I don't know if all the renovations will be completed by the time the season starts or ends. Um, It will be in the works during the 2021 season. Uh, Just not sure when it will be completed, if it'll be completed before the season ends or it'll be completed before the 2022 season. Okay. But definitely soon. We're, we're definitely excited to come and check that out and see the progress. So it's going to be nice when it's all finished. New, new scoreboards to plan clubhouses, Stadium lights, concessions, uh, the city's really uh, taking taking part in making sure this is going to be a really nice venue. Sweet. Not a pop-up clubhouse for the visitors, right? New permit. I hope not, no. <laughs> nice. Very nice. So we read in an article, you do also handle operations for the stadium, and it's hosted a ton of concerts and various outdoor events. We saw, you know, you got the two hockey jerseys behind you for those watching the YouTube video. We saw maybe plans to put in an outdoor ice rink. So what is that like handling operations and trying to get creative with getting events in there when the rocks aren't playing? Sure. Um, uh, normal situations, normal years. Uh, we try to do as many events as we can. Um, people reach out to me constantly. Uh, people are calling me now about setting up, you know, concerts, um, food truck rallies, festivals, uh, company outings for the whole stadium. And it gets pretty crazy because you have to do a separate license every time you do a, a concert. Um, if you're going to have 5,000 people to 15,000 people on the field, how, how much police detail do I have to have? What's my liquor license just for that specific event? What is the food license? What is the time that we're allowed to have it before you hit the, the curfew for the city where you can't have any more noise? Um, the security system. So it, it gets pretty in depth and then you have to deal with the performers themselves and, and the promoters and, you know, they want everything a certain way and you can only do certain things at certain times. Um, but it's, it's fun. 
and stressful and eventful all at the same time. So we are, we're trying to do things this year. Our owner, Chris English, was all in on trying to do a full hockey rink and bring outdoor hockey to the stadium and surround the stadium with filled in bleachers to make it more of a close knit um, hockey type atmosphere. And we reached out to many local clubs and colleges and minor league hockey teams who are all interested in doing the outdoor games there. Um, but unfortunately this year, it just wasn't the right time. And with COVID uh, the numbers were still high in Brockton and this year wasn't the right situation, but it's something that we talk about and we definitely plan on doing. Um, you know, hopefully next winter and the concerts, um, promoters already reaching out and the moment that they get to go ahead and we get to go ahead to have a certain amount of, uh, spectators allowed for concerts, um, we'll be planning those right away. And, and they're great draws. They're, they're fun for the fans. They're always good music and it, it's really entertaining. No, that's awesome. And certainly a great added feature to the ballpark and, you know, shout out to you for all those logistics that go on behind the scenes that go unnoticed <laughs> for just a concert or an event. Uh, so from baseball to your personal background, you have a lot of prior work as a social worker and a lot of experiences in education, working in the school systems as an assistant principal and in leadership. So talk to us about those roles and how do they help in the situation you're currently in, both with GM and dealing with a lot of college kids and just leadership in general. Sure. Um I think the fact that I've had that experience as a social worker and an assistant principal, I've been an assistant principal at every level um, from elementary school through high school. So uh, when the kids come in, they can't really tell me anything I haven't heard or seen pretty much my entire life. Um, and I think those experiences help me work with the kids, work with their families, work with the coaches, um, just to be able to talk, to understand, communicate with them. Um, I think that's the biggest aspect is the communication piece on my part when it comes to working with the players and the families and the coaches, uh, the on the field stuff, you know, again, that, that goes to the coaches. Now I'm, I'm stepping away from that, but having that understanding of what they've been through and being able to talk with them and the whole administration piece to when we have our workers and our interns be able to guide them, um, helps as well. And getting that experience as the, the school administrator and, and social worker, working with them, teaching them, because not just the players want to advance, but our staff, our interns, they, they come in with goals of getting the experience and moving on in their careers through college and, and broadcasting and doing stuff that you guys are doing a wonderful job of doing. And, and that's what their goal is too. And getting that experience as a, a school administrator and guiding kids their entire life, that's really helped me prepare these interns that we get to help them move forward in their lives and their careers. So um, I think that's the biggest uh, aspect of coinciding the assistant principal job, social worker job to being a general manager. Yeah, certainly qualities that are transferable and it's awesome to see that live and in person. And so digging back even further, how did you originally get into baseball and what were your playing experiences like? Uh, baseball has just been a part of my life, my entire life from you know, the time I could first start to T-ball to high school, college, and then uh, post-college, I, I started coaching at uh, a junior college in Connecticut, UConn Avery Point, where I, I played two years, and the coach brought me in and uh, had me be an assistant coach there for a few years, and that's how I really got into the coaching aspect, um, and it was wonderful just trying to give back to the kids what I have learned from, from so many people that have taught me. Um, you know, I've learned from players from, from the lowest level to major league players who have taught me 
the game. And for me to be able to give that back to, to the young men trying to make their way was, was great. Uh, and then when I met who is now my, my wife and moved to Massachusetts, I continued coaching uh, Coach Matt Noon at Babson College, gave me a chance to just help run his summer camps. Um, and so I started getting back involved in the coaching and coached Dover Sherborne High School baseball. Um, took a break for a while because once I became that school administrator, it was tough to do the the coaching and the the, um, the coaching and the assistant principal position just because of time constraints. But uh, eventually, I made my way back to it, um, having the the part time job in the summer with the Rocks, and which uh, has been great since then. Yeah, that's awesome. And we're glad to have you in the league, of course. <laughs> and before we get to our final segment, how about a message to Rocks fans? Rocks fans, uh, looking forward. Be ready for the 2021 season. We're going to have a, a great squad. We, we hope to bring the title back to the city of champions. And uh, the guys coming in are going to be great. And we're hoping that uh, you know we'll be able to have all the spectators in that we possibly can. If not, Blue Frame is going to do a great job for you, but but be ready to uh, come and have some fun at Campanelli and, and enjoy a great season. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'll certainly be there a lot, and I'm excited to be back for a third season, probably spending most of my time at Campanelli Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> we love having you there, Owen. It's always great to see you guys. Tom, we're ready to move on to our final segment. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr, high quality and innovative design since 1993. And I have one of those Zephyr hats in my prize bag from the Hall of Fame event in the golf tournament. So nice. We nice. wear it with pride for sure. <laughs> so we got a couple more questions to ask you before we finish up here for our audience to get to know you a little bit better. Is that cool with you? Absolutely. All right. And we want to have a disclaimer. You have had an advanced look at these questions. So even though this first one is tough, I hope you have a little bit of an answer prepared. So we're here to put you on the spot. How about a favorite? How about a favorite player from your tenure with the rocks? Oh, this, this was the toughest question. I think you guys asked totally. I mean, now as a coach, I was also a host family for every year. So I had so many players come through and I'm, I still have great relationships with them. So it's tough to say, but one thing stood out to me in all my years, and it had to be last year, Pat DeSalvo, um, who played for us from Georgetown. And there was one event up at Nashua where we were doing a special uh, Be the Match event. And his interaction with, with the kids there to make their day such a special day, knowing what they're going through, um, is something I will never forget. And seeing Pat DeSalvo work, just play with those kids and make it such an entertaining day for them, um, I'm going with Pat DeSalvo. That's a great answer. And that's great to hear that story. So thank you for sharing. Now, how about a favorite ballpark that you've attended as a fan or maybe played in hearkening back to your playing days or college coaching experience? Um, favorite ballpark to this day, it, it would definitely still be a spectator. I played in a lot of great fields, great stadiums, um, still Camden Yards. Um, there's just something about it when I go there and the atmosphere there in Baltimore is just, just so good. So fun. And, uh, to this day, that, that's still my number one where I visited. Yes, Fenway and Yankee Stadium South and that walkway and center field and just the whole atmosphere. Love that choice. I think that might be our first answer for Camden Yards on this podcast. So, Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, right. I know. A little surprising. So now in turn, how about a baseball stadium or more broadly a sporting event that's on your bucket list? Sporting event on my bucket list is without a doubt Super Bowl. Um, definitely want to get to the Super Bowl, uh, something I've been – dynasty and uh for an actual venue stadium i, I want to see a football game at notre dame 
Yeah, it, it's overrated. I wouldn't bother taking oh, really? the time to go there. Oh, yeah. No, it's oh, okay. Yeah, you're killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> it's okay. I can't comment. I didn't get a chance to go there when BC played there a couple years ago, but definitely an awesome event. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to turn you elsewhere. <laughs> Moving on. All How right. about walk-up music? If you were walking out to the dish, what would your entrance music be? Um this was another tough one for me. I wasn't quite sure uh, which way to go with this one, but um, I was going to go with a little Kid Rock. Bodity, I always pronounce it wrong, but the Kid <laughs> Rock song. That one always seemed to just get me going, fired me up, and uh, I think that would be my entrance music. Love it. Love it. And final question for me before I kick it over to Owen. Favorite big league team and player, whether current or historical? Sure. Uh, again, another tough one because I really had to think about this. Um, my, my favorite team, I, I am a Red Sox fan, but uh, I would have to say just from what he did on the field, his determination and, and the way he played the game, um, fairly recent guy, Derek Jeter. Uh, he was just everything that you want a baseball player to be. And if I could ever have my son grow up to be a baseball player instead of a hockey player, I'd want him to be Derek Jeter on the field. Yeah, number two in the captain. You know, we're all Red Sox fans, but you got to respect the heck out of Jeter for sure. Absolutely. And how about a nickname, whether it was from baseball or otherwise, that you've been given over the years? Um, it was always just my last name, Trace. Everyone just always called me Trace. So they said that. I knew I was always number three, and they always said Trace. So it kind of went coincide with each other, the number and the name. Perfect. And are you superstitious at all? Extremely. Um, <laughs> pretty much everything I do throughout every day still, um, when I was playing, it was bad. Uh, you know, everything from, uh, three green M&Ms, two brown M&Ms and one red M&M before each game to the way I walked up to the plate. Um, how many pre pre at bat swings I took uh, as a catcher, I would have to go in and clean the plate a certain way before I, you know, got out into my crouch and things of that nature. And, uh, it was with every sport too, football, basketball, baseball, and uh, things I do today, it's, it's still, you know, I do everything in a certain way, whether it's a routine or just in my mind, it's like, oh, I have to do this. We had a good day yesterday. We're going to do it again today, you know? So uh, I've always been superstitious. Yeah, we've heard a lot of pregame meals that get people hyped up, but certain types of M&Ms is new. So that's that's awesome. That's a good, that's a good one. And then the bubble gum or sunflower seeds? Double bubble. Um, yeah, I would have it uh, – three times a game before the game um, middle of the game, switch it out getting close to the end of the game, switch it out a couple pieces at a time. I was always a double bubble guy. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. And then how about favorite ballpark food or ballpark beverage? Um, going up to Fenway doing, doing the sausage peppers and onions um, to this day. That's, that's my favorite one uh, at any ballpark uh, right outside Fenway. And beverage, you got to go with a nice cold beer when you're at the at the field. Maybe overpriced, but it tastes good. It tastes good, I, yeah. From, from what I hear, since I've turned 21, I can't go to games, so I wouldn't know. But. <laughs> and also, quick note here, everyone's been saying hot dog. No one's showing love for the sausage, onion, and pepper. That is an elite ballpark food. You get oh, a bottle right. of water soda, bring it into the game for free, you know, it and before the ballpark beer. but Yeah, awesome absolutely. Food. Yeah, it's great. You can't beat it. Hundred percent. And then, lastly, how about a favorite all-time baseball memory? Um, for me personally, it was actually when I was uh, eleven years old, playing in the district championship for little league, and uh, we were down 
10 to six in the bottom of the sixth, the league, only six innings, two outs. And, uh, I had a double with two outs. Um, my next batter chip turning, I'll never forget. Took a fastball. He hit it. I didn't even look. I just put my hands in the air and started running because I knew he launched it. And, uh, we came back in the bottom of the six with five runs and, and won the district title. And, to this day, I'll never forget it. Me and my team, we actually still all talk all the time, became great friends our entire lives. And it's just one of those memories from the field that has carried over to my life. Let's go. Baseball, the lifelong sport. That's incredible that you guys still relive it and talk and are friends to this day. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck with everything leading up to the 2021 season. We're so excited to be back at Campanelli and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys and everything that goes on with the season. Absolutely. So this has been episode 11 of season two of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. Be sure to stay tuned for our season two finale next week, season two, episode 12. And make sure to subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.